Folks, the wait is finally over. The 2022 college football season is officially here. No more hypotheticals. No more what ifs. No more scheduled predictions. Dave, what dropped today? Tell the folks what is in tap for today's show. Drake, the depth chart dropped. We have real information, real football to talk about. We're days away. So let's talk. Let's freaking ride. <laughs> You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Seminoles. What's up, everybody? It's your boy Drake here, and today in the Zoom room, I have Mr. David Wise for what is officially the first game week for your Florida State Seminoles football. And as always, folks, thank you guys so much for being locked on Seminoles. Your first listen each and every single day. But Dave, how are you feeling right now? Are you stoked as I am right now about basically finally able to cover some football? Drake, I'm I'm here in the homeland in Tallahassee. You can kind of just, there's a feeling in the air of football. And we made it through a long off season. It's been several long off seasons. This one felt as long as any of them. And it's over. This is the week. Football's here. It's finally here, and I'm just super stoked to be here with each and every single one of y'all. And like we said before, thank you guys so much for all the love and support, hearing about all our hypotheticals, hearing all about schedule win-loss predictions, all the content that we basically were trying to make and cultivate for you guys over the summer. It all comes down to finally this. We have actual football this weekend. It may be against the fighting David Duke companies, but listen, football is football. And Dave, as we said before, today we're, the depth chart dropped. We're talking offense. We're talking defense. Which way do you want to go first? Start with offense, Drake. I'm feeling frisky. Ooh, feeling frisky. Okay, but folks, a little parameters for this. We always, you know, always know we try to keep things interesting here. Dave will give us one thing he's happy to see on the depth chart. Another thing he's basically concerned to see, concerned that he actually is on the depth chart. And lastly, which one was the most shocking development from the depth chart? So Dave, pick your poison. Which way do you want to go? Start on a positive. Um, well, this offseason, the coaching staff identified a problem on the team. And it's the problem that we've been talking about for five years now that it felt like we were the only ones seeing and it was really confusing. And that was the wide receiver room. Um, it's been bad. It's been real bad. And this offseason, the coaching staff basically doubled the room. I mean, not really numbers-wise, but... They added a whole new cupboard to the room. They didn't just stock the cupboard. They added another one. And the good thing about it is if you look at the depth chart, this isn't just we brought in guys that maybe down the line will contribute. And almost all of the receivers we brought in, um, except for Winston Wright, who's injured, is listed prominently in the 2D. Micah Pittman is listed as a starter, not mm -hmm. an or, a full starter. Deuce Span is listed as an or at the second receiver position behind Ontario Wilson. And Johnny Wilson is listed as an or behind Malik McLean. Someone that you have high hope for too. And Malik, both of them. Um, so look, three out of the guys we brought in at the receiver position are either starters or, you know, a option A and B as a starter. That, that is best case scenario. And if these guys can live up to even, you know, a portion of the hype, this is going to make the wide receiver room just infinitely better. And it's good to see this wasn't talk. This wasn't just, you know, a couple good practices. This was consistent fall and summer 
mostly fall. This was consistent fall, putting the work in, getting the results, and now they're at the top of the depth chart. And I completely agree with you. And that was the one thing that I was probably, that could be my thing. We're going to be, we're going to be simpatico here. Primarily. I wanted to see the wide receivers basically listed off and started off on two deep. And then to me seeing Ontario Wilson with the, or with Deuce span and Deuce span, someone that is converting from the quarterback spot from high school to a wide receiver. Like to me, that just screams to me that I'm, we're going to be seeing maybe a lot of Deuce span decently enough, probably in the Duquesne game. Maybe we can see that speed and athleticism on full display. And then I'm probably going to go with the next one, which something that will probably concerns me a little bit more is probably it's it's a little more difficult to feel. But I guess with Lawrence Tilfeely actually probably being a tailback spot, it's not because of he's there. It's because who's not there. And you don't see Ja'Kai Douglas on this on this depth chart overall as a whole with the offensive side of the ball. Now, to me, you hear some rumblings right now when it comes to players, you know, being held out for injury concerns, something like that. And to, to me, Ja'Kai Douglas was someone that in this fall camp, was being basically seen as more of a focal point of the offense. And seeing not his name not listed on the tailback spot leads me to believe that Chicago might be out for some time. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. Um, I went a different direction with the, cons- I guess, the concerning. Yeah, uh, no, concern or just something you're just like, um, just I'm not 100% questionable, curious. Yeah, I was questionable. Curious. That's, that's, that's a better way to put it. Okay. What I was curious about was the same position, but a different angle why Trey Benson isn't even listed as an or with Treshawn Ward. Everything that we've heard out of fall camp is that Trey Benson's the guy that he's going to be that next cam Akers kind of bell cow running back. And he's going to shoulder the load, his injuries behind him. That's not a concern. He had just been running people over running around people and running amok in fall uh, by all accounts. And it's a little, I, I don't know if it's out of respect for the year that Treshawn Ward had last year as an incumbent, or if it's more of a, there's still some work to do, but mm-hmm. I had been led to the impression that there's not a ton of work left for Trey Benson to do. He's proven it. He's ready. He's our starter. Just a little bit of head scratching to me to not see him listed at the top there. No, I mean, the one thing I'll push back a little bit on that is like you see within a Mike Norvell offense, even at Memphis, where I don't think it really matters who your starting running back is. He'll still find a way to get each running back 12 to 15 carries a game, even though, I'm of the belief that you should feed the ball to your stable, like number one back, probably a lot more than the rest of your backs. But to me, also it could be for for Trey Benson. Basically, he's still remember he's coming off a lower leg injury. Game maybe get him adjusted to basically a bigger workload over the course of the season. So I wouldn't be surprised actually if Trey Benson is your number one running back on a depth chart, probably by probably mid October. Yeah, that's I, I think we'll see that. That's right. Um, it probably doesn't matter, but it was still just a little head scratching. Um, but now we'll I mean, it, it was out. all the it was all the hype from fall, fall camp and spring camp. That's kind of why just confusing. Um, but now we'll turn to the one that I there were a couple options for me for the concerning angle. Um, shocking, shocking, sh- shocking. Uh, I, I don't know that there was necessarily a shocker on offense for me. I, I when I saw two tight ends listed, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, I, I'm certain one of them is meant to be as a blocking tight end, um, but we don't have the depth or necessarily even the starters at the tight end position to sustain a two deep, let alone five people listed at the position. It, the talent, the production, it's just not there. Uh, so that that was a little surprising to me. Um, nothing on the offensive line surprised me, except that you have two freshmen backing up on the left side of the line at both the left tackle with Julian Armella and the left mm-hmm. guard spot with Bryson Estes or Bryson Estes. Obviously he's not 
necessarily brand new here. He's a red shirt. Uh, but you know, you're, you're an injury away at the left tackle or left guard spot, unless you're going to have somebody slide over, um, from trusting, trusting, uh, Jordan Travis's health to a youngin. And I don't love that. Um, and I guess the only last thing, the only last contender for this would be, I think a lot of people probably wanted to see AJ Duffy listed second on the depth chart. I never thought that was realistic. I didn't expect to see it. Um, and I, in no way think that's an indictment of AJ Duffy's, you know, cap- capability or performance in fall. He's just a red, he's a true freshman. I mean, I wouldn't expect him to jump Tate who also hasn't played football since November. And I'm pretty right. sure even before the year before he did not play any football due to COVID. And I'm pretty sure he was in actually, what was it? Rancho Verde, California at the time. Yeah. Um, I want a little bit of a different round. I'll be a little bit quicker here when it comes to shocking. I was kind of shocked and surprised to see that Jason Turrentine actually was the backup guard. And that's Jason Turrentine. I think Max, Max actually mentioned it in our group chat that basically he is what, six foot seven, 320 pounds, 336. Like that's, that's a, people a really, <laughs> that's a real beefy guard because typically when you see side like that, that's more reserved for your, I guess, outer tackle. So to me, it's either A, he's really, really, you know, um, athletic in the interior and he's able to pull. I mean, he's your swing lineman. And we've seen the NFL with, you know, former Forest Lake great Cam Irving basically making a career out of basically going up along the entire offensive line. Yeah. So I do want to see basically where Jason Turretin actually basically moving forward is going to be a viable option across all uh, five linebacker, uh, offensive line spots. Yeah. The only other thing I'll say about the offensive line, isn't it good to see no offensive lineman list on the depth chart under 300 pounds? Like, yeah, it, it just remember I, the Rick Trickett days when we were bringing in these linemen that were like 280 pounds, or just 70 pounds and hoping they'd beef up. Uh, this is a big offensive line. Alex Atkins obviously knows what he's doing. He's got the best group he's had under in, uh, under his uh, tutelage at Florida State, and this is this offensive line could be good if it stays healthy. Uh, this offensive line basically makes me feel some type of way, but yeah. you know what makes me feel some type of way even more, Dave? What's that? Bet our our friends over at BetOnline.net. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get all your latest sports action. And folks, it's not going to be a recurring segment. It's our annual fade Dave line of the day. Dave, hit me. I have a great line for you here. We're here real quick. Okay. Our friend o- Willie Tiger down in Boca Raton, Florida, on week zero, goes over to Charlotte, and actually Florida Atlantic is a favorite in this game. At minus seven, sorry, Florida Atlantic. Actually, it's a home game for them. Charlotte goes down to Boca Raton, basically 10 minutes from actually where I'm living now. Dave, what are you taking in this game? Okay, I'm going to make you make a really weird inception kind of decision here, everyone, because my gut was to say, oh, Charlotte's going to kill Willie Taggart's team. But I'm going to go the exact opposite. I'm going to do the opposite of what I was thinking because I'm fading myself. And I'm going to say that Willie Taggart, because he left FSU, of course he's going to do better, and FAU is going to win and cover the spread. I've never heard someone actually actively basically state and admit that they're fading themselves. So, folks, fade Dave fading himself and Mm. take Charlotte at plus seven or ride with me. I'm taking Florida Atlantic my seven. And also we'll have be having Danny Domino, a resident gambling expert, on later in the weekend. I can already tell you that he's taking Charlotte plus seven. And head over to betonline.net, use promo code locked on. That's L O C K E D O N to get a 100% welcome bonus. That's right, folks, a 100% welcome bonus on your first deposit at betonline.net, betonline, where the game starts.
And we are back. We are rocking and rolling here on your favorite daily Florida State Seminoles podcast. And, folks, thank you guys so much for making Locked On Seminoles first listen each and every single day. Basically, where we're your team's experts for every single day of the week, Monday through Friday. Apologies for Monday. We had a little bit of technical issues as I'm in the process of moving. And Dave, as he just said, was traveling down to Tallahassee. But, Dave, enough of that. Enough excuses. It's time for us to do something. And let's look over to the defensive side of the ball. Okay. So, let's start with the positive takeaway. Uh, there, Man, there's a lot of positive on here. Um, it's just – you could pick really – any position group to feel better about um, even, even the defensive line. I feel better about than last year, knowing that we had um, Jermaine Johnson here, but if there was anything, I think that most excited me, it was our secondary could be one of the better we've had in a while. And mm-hmm. this is a school that's had a lot of good DBs, obviously, but to see Azaria Thomas and Sam McCall listed as ORs backing up Omarion Cooper, I can tell you right now, both of them are going to see a lot of playing time, probably a lot more than we're thinking, because there's going to be a lot of situations you already see we're listing five DBs. We're, we have a nickel, two corners, a buck, and a free safety. So we're going to be playing a lot of DBs, and these true freshmen have already moved themselves up to the point where they're going to see the field an awful lot. This unit could probably be better than we're thinking. And I already thought it would be one of the better DB units of the last five, 10 years here. And not only that, if you look at the DB unit as a whole, they're particularly young at the starting spots. Yeah. If you look at basically Azaria Thomas and Sam McCall backing up Omari and Cooper, who was in his second year, Kevin Knowles in a nickel spot also in his second year. And then to me, I'm going to go a little more micro when it comes to the defensive back room. I was probably one of the few people that continuously says that Ronaldo Green might be your most talented defensive back if he remains fully healthy. Yeah. And sure enough, he has a fully healthy spring. He has a fully healthy fall camp from all things considered as of right now. So to me, Weapon X Wolverine is alive as your starting cornerback. And to me, that's something that I feel vindicated saying that because I've been a big Ronaldo Green fan since he actually committed here. And I remember correctly that Ohio State was actually trying to flip him on signing day. And if you look at recent history, Ohio State has a pretty, pretty good eye for evaluating and developing defensive backs. So yeah. Renato Green is probably going to basically be my, you know, best thing to see on the depth chart. And for the, I guess, the more concerning thing, I'll let Dave, or, or sorry, questionable thing, I'll let Dave go a little more deeper into that because I think we have the same thing where it's a lot of unproven talent. Yeah. It's actually, we, we, there's a lot of names missing that basically Dave is a fan of and so am I. Okay, so the number one that jumped out to me, um, I'll get this out of the way first. I was surprised not to see Travis J listed on the depth chart. You know how I feel about Travis J. I'm still thinking he's he's going to end up on this depth chart and not because I will of injury. Say, I, I think he's basically, I think he's the same reason for Chicago because they may be an injury bug going around. There's okay. a lot, of, there's a lot. Remember, we heard a lot of, you know, things coming out of camp, basically where a lot of players were getting injured, but we're not 100% sure if it's for J- Travis or for Jakai. He'll be back on here. Don't worry. But but the bigger one that just like took me aback a little was that Jared verse isn't listed as the starter at the defensive end spot. We have, man, you, you yourself said that Jared verse, you believed if we were doing Madden ratings would be the highest rated player on this team. He has shown out in fall camp. He looks the part. He looks like that dude. He's big. He's fast. He's got the moves. We all expect a lot out of him. Maybe not necessarily Jermaine Johnson year one, or if at all, but we're expecting a lot out of him. And 
I think it probably says more about Derek McClendon and how much a lot of us are sleeping on him that he's listed above Jared Verse, albeit at, as an or atop that uh, defensive end position on the depth chart. That's, I'm not going to, it's not like concerning. It just, it made me scratch my head and say, really? Is that, is that because of Jared Verse or because of Derek McClendon? I lean towards it being more about Derek McClendon. I think we'll see plenty of both. I mean, you know, I'm like the president of the Derek McClendon fan club over here, but also I was the person to say that Jared Verse might not be your official starter till week number four because he is coming from the FCS. He does need to acclimate to the power five level. The speed of the game is a lot different here, even though we have seen that Sean Tucker, you know, chase down run over time, over time, over time. But to me, I think it's more that I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if against LSU, if this is the same depth chart that's put out, that Jared Verse sees the field a lot more Darren McClendon. But I think Darren McClendon is a little more of the pass pitching specialist for this coming year. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, Drake, you've, you've graciously allowed me to go first on both of these, the positive and the concerning or questionable. Why don't you start us off with your, uh, what, we, what did we say it was? Scary or shock? shock no, it's more like shocking. shocking. And that is, um, I did you imagine seeing an or next to Kalen Belos and DJ Lundy? No, my God, no. That's and it's not concerning or anything. We've we've heard how like DJ Lundy has reshaped his body. He basically he's lost a lot more weight and he's developing down the right track. But we have been saying on this program, and you hear other people too as well, that sing the praises of Kane Deloach. And then we've also said here that Kane Deloach, with the addition of Tane Bethune, will not be having to do every single thing by himself. So seeing the or leads me to believe that DJ Lundy actually for this year kind of might be that dude. He kind of might be that, you know, where it's been three years, the development must be going great under Rain Shannon. So to me, I'm actually getting a little more excited to see what, what DJ Lundy will bring out of basically in the middle of the defense. Yeah, well, here's the good news uh, for me. There, there was nothing shocking about this defensive depth chart to me. And I think that's a positive in and of its own. We, the fact that we escaped. Not even Larry Warner being in the 2D for, um, for Fox. Yeah. That doesn't really surprise me. Uh, oh, it's a or with Patrick Payton. So uh, that doesn't surprise or upset and also, me. He's, also, if he's a third option there, I really don't mind that, to be honest. Right. That's the thing is if you're not relying on him for significant snaps and he's backing up Dennis Briggs, who last year did get injured. But, and, you know, we've talked about this a lot. If Dennis Briggs stays healthy, he is not seeding that position and he's going to play as many snaps as you'll let him and that he's capable of because uh, he's that talented. But no, nothing nothing surprised me. I think we, we had a good idea of what this defensive depth chart would look like. I think we've been a appropriately excited about the depth chart it is it is only my excitement about this defense has only been bolstered by what we're seeing here we escaped without any massive injuries uh on the defense and you know just having two freshmen in there looks good seeing you know just just seeing the names of all the guys that we expected to top the depth chart there lets us know that nobody was a huge letdown in camp to this point um, again, this has the makings of a top 25, possibly even top 15 or 10 defense. And these guys stay healthy. This right here, this is the depth chart that I think can do that. And also, like, if we're looking at the depth chart as a whole and you compare it to last year's depth chart, the year before that, and also for the first, probably the second year under Wood Tiger, you kind of look at it overall and say that there isn't like somewhere where I'm majorly, majorly concerned that if we have to go to the next guy up due to yeah. injury, I'm going to be panicking. Uh, maybe with the center spot, primarily because I do believe in Darius Washington. He probably is like one of my favorite signees in the, in the past few years. But Thomas Schrader is someone that had a lower leg injury. So if D-Wash goes down, that will be my concern because he's 
still acclimating back to the college game after being basically being injured for his first two seasons. But to me, overall, looking at this depth chart, I'm just stoked that basically I can look at it overall and be like, you know what? This is solid. This is actually something that actually may finally might be Florida State Power 5 quality football that we've seen from top to bottom. Yeah, you know, I keep trying to, like, keep my excitement in check so that I don't get hurt. Drake, I'm sick of getting hurt. And, you know. I'm a Marlins fan. I have no sympathy for you, like I told you earlier today. Well, Drake, the good news is there's. No, I'm going to mute you if you go there. this, This depth chart makes me want to get hurt because I love the wide receiver room. Finally. I don't, I like what I like the wide receiver room. I have a lot of hope for them. I love this defense there. Like you said, there's not one single spot on that defense where if somebody goes down aside from like a Tatum Bethune, where I don't think we have a, yeah, a, I would say that actually a viable point. replacement. The other, the only other one being tight end. Although I don't think that matters because I think you would just play more receivers and Johnny Wilson's bigger than a tight end anyways. Um, so yeah, there's, the offensive line, you're always going to want to stay healthy. And like, it's always going to be a drop off from a starter to a backup, but this roster shapes up. This is a nine win potential roster for sure. I'm not going to say we're going to win nine, but this has the potential. All right, Dave, we're here wrapping up today's show. So where do you want to take us now? Do you want to do some goal setting for the Duquesne game? Or typically do you want to just basically just wrap up and sum up how you feel about depth as a whole? I think I think we've I think we've done enough wrapping up, putting a bow on that, as some might say. Um, I, let's talk real football. Let's get let's go more real football. There's a real football game being played here on Saturday, and it's against the David DeQuesneys. We've we've belabored this mispronunciation of that team's name. They dropped their own depth chart. Take a look at it. Um, they're actually a lot bigger than I thought they would be. Like I thought everybody would be. I'm about to say you see how, you see the the average height of the corners. They're all like below six feet. That's going to be a problem. Like I think I saw, I saw a tweet today. I can't hold on. I, I can't credit. I can't credit who it was. There was like a five, nine corner listed on there. And somebody on Twitter pointed out when they face up against Johnny Wilson, I can't imagine they put their five, nine corner on Johnny Wilson. That would be hilarious. Hope to see it. Don't expect it. Um, but I will say this. I have one There, there shouldn't be a need for a ton of specific predictions. I have one prediction, which is do not let this game be competitive after the first half. It shouldn't even after the first quarter. I want to see one of those games where Jimbo Fisher, for whatever reason, just put 73 in like the first two and a half quarters and and didn't seem to let up. I want to see a team that after Jacksonville State last year, and I don't even want to say that, I want to see a team that, just absolutely blows them off the field with their talent. Doesn't make stupid mistakes. I don't need to see any of this trick play nonsense. We tried against Jacksonville state. I want to see sound football. And I want to see the fact that us executing allows us to blow out a team that shouldn't even be on the field with us. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where like, typically when we do our further games, like LSU, Louisville, Boston college, we'll get a lot more nuance with certain specific goals. Like you want to see this sort of performance from this yards player per or, play. yeah, your yards per play sacks or basically, you know, third down efficiency with this. I simply am going to be with you, but I'm going to take a step further. I simply don't want to see Jordan Travis play anywhere past the seven and a half mark of the second quarter. Mm-hmm. I am the firm belief that this game we need to win by 21 points to make me feel good about anything. That's basically, that's the minimum. That's the minimum for me. Drake, if we win by 21, 
we're not making a bowl game. No, we, I, I, I know. I understand that, but 21, maybe 28 points. Like that's something that I personally, like, that's the minimum that I'm going to be giving to me. It should be a game similar to UMass last year where what was like 56, three. Yeah. I need to see like a 66 to six here. I didn't mean to do like six, 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 but that's, that's the kind yeah, of can score. You pick I need to can see. you pick a different number real quick, actually? 66 to two. Okay. So, I don't know how they safety? get a safety, but you know, snap goes past the punter. Who knows? I'll keep it interesting. But yeah, no, that to me, I need us to basically win this game handily. I going to be probably out actually with my dad at Vance Well Heritage night, actually around in downtown Miami. I want to be able to look at my phone and be like, Oh, okay. We're beating them. Like we're supposed to. Yeah. And not only that, I want us goal wise to get out of this game where prevent with no players leaving either due to injury or simply being pulled out of the game for basically for any injury concerns, because it's games like these where you're, you physically and talent wise outmatch your opponents. Yeah. And then we hear an offensive lineman goes down or a defensive lineman goes down to a chop block. So to me, your goal for this game is to when it hits zero, 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 that you beat Duquesne, by 11,000 points, but also are as healthy as can be and then move on to the real the real threat, the real matchup, which is LSU over in New Orleans. Yeah, you know, it's it's a there's a fine line and I don't know where it is because I totally agree with you that it's too risky to have guys playing a ton of minutes in this game because this game should be out of hand quickly. However, I will say you know, these receivers are all new. They need to develop a rapport with Jordan Travis. And if we're going to week two, we're playing LSU. Uh, they need to be tuned up. I'm not saying that I want to see them in there the whole game or even three quarters, necessarily even a full half. But I think you got to give the new guys a time to develop the kind of rapport they need if they're going to be successful against a obviously far superior team like LSU. That's fair, but I think you can definitely do that by scoring 21 points in the first quarter. Well, that I mean, that's just me. I think 21 points in the first quarter, if you do it with your wide receiver, it's all be great. And that yeah. will step even, go even a step further. I want to see Tate Duffy, not Tate Duffy. Wow. I want to see Tate Rodemaker and AJ Duffy yeah. at least attempt 15 passes. I yeah. want to actually show, basically, I want wide receiver recruits out there, whether they're in the portal, on another team, or in high school. I want them to see what the future looks like in a passing attack at Florida State. And I think the Duquesne game with the cornerbacks that we just mentioned, that basically they can be show a proof of concept saying, hey, we have in the future when Jordan, you know, inevitably, inevitably leaves, that we have the passing offense that basically will be suited towards you and become more attracted to basically in Hakeem, Damari Brown, and the other wide receiver prospects that are out there as we speak. Yeah, the problem with this game is I don't know that it's going to be the kind of one where you're going to showcase a lot to the high-profile recruits. And I say that because I expect a very vanilla offense. I expect, 100%. I expect your execution and your talent to just overpower them and to not try to get fancy with it. You're not going to be showing a lot of the playbook. You're going to want to keep a lot in your back pocket for LSU. So keeping it vanilla, you should be able to just mollywop this team. Yes, you should. The first half. This game should be over coming out of the second half. So I don't want to see a lot of craziness. I do. Uh, if you're able to execute simply uh, and, and you're throwing, like that. you're throwing slants to receivers who are then taking it 80 yards. I mean, if you're a high school recruit, I got to think what you care about is damn, they had two receivers go for 150 yards, not necessarily. Oh, look at this well-orchestrated dig route that, you know? Yeah, I, no, I mean, like, so, like, Something, I mean, we do understand that these kids want to be developed and go to the next step in the NFL, but also 
selfishly, you also want to put up video game numbers. I mean, right. I mean, you ask any pitcher, you know, from high school on or people that I grew up with, like they want to throw 99 on the gun. <laughs> I yeah. mean, come on. Right. Well, I don't think you're going to see 99. I think you're going to see a well-controlled 95 here. And I think 95 Ooh, okay. miles an hour should blow the opposing batters away here. And if you're not able to do that, that tells us a lot more about this team than uh, I, I think almost anything else. Like if this is a close game, which it won't I, be, we're not going to, it's put not going to be, it's, it's not, not going to be. be. Yeah. The, this being a close game would tell us a lot We're that that's not a realistic possibility. I know a lot of people, especially if there's any opposing fans listening to this, are going to say Jacksonville state. I hear you. This isn't Jacksonville state. Jacksonville state would blow this team out. And so should we. And so should we. And then folks, as always, thank you guys so much for your love and support each and every single day here at Locked On Seminoles. We get to do this every single day because of each and every single one of you. Drop down the comments below the goals that you have, actually, for the upcoming game against Duquesne. We're like, listen, I have this as a 99% chance of winning this game. 100%. I know Dig is the 100%, but ever since last year, I am still scarred, and my over-under win total still did not hit because of the one damn game, so I will be salty about it forever. But please drop a comment down below. Like this video, hit subscribe button at the tippy tip top and ding little bell so you know when new content drops. And on the podcast level, please, five-star reviews, either on our podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast from. Now, Dave, send us out. All right, guys. We have more real football to talk this week. We have a real game coming up this weekend. Stick around with us this week. We're going to bring the heat. We're going to talk real football, and you're going to love it, I promise. Uh, yep, and we also will be having Candace Cooper from Locked on ACC to basically discuss basically FSU standing and perception across the entire ACC landscape. Danny Domino basically doing our, or is it Danny's Domino's, our gambling spin-centric episode for Week Zero games, and that and so much more. But for now, this was Drake, and that was David, and we'll see you all next time on Locked on Sound. Take care, everybody. Go Rolls Game Week.